are smartphones killing websites? And Facebook is losing its cool among teens. This is episode 84 of Media Unplugged, the podcast that goes behind the spin to reveal what's really happening in media. Media Unplugged with Tom A. Sacker and Mark Ramsey. Welcome to Media Unplugged. I'm Mark Ramsey. And I'm Tom A. Sacker. And Mark, that's a really good-looking uh, haircut you got there. Oh, uh, what? You see my haircut? No, but you told me you were getting one, so I thought I'd just throw that uh, in there. So. <laughs> I was getting very creeped out there, Tom. <laughs> it's very creepy. All right, our smartphones killing websites. This is from a piece in uh, Bloomberg. Um, smartphones are doing to websites what Amazon did to the mall. Really interesting piece. I just want to read the opening of it. And then, Tom, i got to hear your take on this. <laughs> so, young, distracted, in style, just so, Anissa Kalufi is part of a growing genus of Instagram junkies. As the 21-year-old flits around the Paris suburb that she lives in, she's incessantly snapping photos and videos. Usually they're of her friend who preens for the camera in swanky clothes ranging from high-waisted shorts to pinstripe jumpers to big fuzzy slippers. It is, by all appearances, a parade of self-indulgence, a life over-edited and ultra-shared. But what the eye-rolling onlooker does not understand is that she's building an apparel empire one snap at a time, one that pulls in close to, listen to this, $40,000 a month. Wow. Her social media fodder sends a steady stream of shoppers to Bell Miraz, the apparel company she founded after tiring of law school. It includes a web store as well as boutiques located in Casablanca and Paris. Uh, mostly, her customers purchase their items in the same way she sells them, by app. Mm. Isn't that amazing? I think the most amazing thing to me about that is that at 21, she tired of law school, <laughs> which, if my math is right, at 21, a lot of people here in California still have a couple years to go of no, college, she's for she's starters. She's probably pretty bright, huh? <laughs> she must be pretty bright, but, I, I mean, start there, Tom. Start how bright she is? Well, look, a couple of big wows. I mean, the first big wow in that article was that 95% of teens own a smartphone, and half of them are online on a near constant basis, right? I mean, that just, isn't yeah, that crazy? That's the statistic that said, I think if I, let me find the uh, the reference, that it was up from like, what was it, 50% yeah, three years like ago? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, so it's it like almost ubiquitous, right? And, the and half of them are on the phone all day long. <laughs> and you know what's funny about that is if you, I, I can't remember some of the books that I've read on this topic, but if you go back and read some of the books about the challenges of teens and social media, teens in particular in social media, one of the recipes they always give you is don't give a teen a smartphone until the last possible <laughs> moment of their teenage years. And, and the examples used are things like Steve Jobs, who created this stuff and didn't let his own kids use iPads and, and iPhones uh, until they reach a certain age. And yet here, 95% of teens have these devices and spend oh, almost yeah. all their time I mean, we online. Can, we it's can do a whole surprising. episode on that. This is a scary trend, and I can talk to you in detail about what's going to happen if we allow this to continue, but that's a different kind of episode than this. I'm just curious, Tom. I think anyone listening would also be curious. Just go down that, that tangent for a moment and talk about that. Well, look, a few things. One... If you spend your day as a teen, I mean, remember when we were teenagers, right? I mean, we weren't doing a heck of a lot of social comparison because the people that we, who we were comparing ourselves to were standing next to us, 
right? They, they were either standing next to us in the same classroom as us. It was really easy to gauge things. And plus, if you saw reality, then you realize that a lot of the stuff that they would, you know, how they were dressing and had nothing to do with how they were living, how they were feeling. So all the illusions were apparent to us. We got it. It made sense. We didn't really get wrapped up in it. Today, you, you go online all day long, you start comparing your likes, your follows, your number of reads on this article, whether or not you're doing this. It is, it is a devastating effect on your psyche. It can make you start feeling like you're never good enough. And, and, and that's mm -hmm. dangerous, really dangerous, because it's a complete illusion. It's all, in a, nobody paints a, a, you know, a negative picture of themselves. No one. So, mm -hmm. I mean, imagine that we're feeding our... It was bad enough with advertising, right? Sitting in front of a television, having somebody give us messages that were bullshit. That was bad enough. Mm -hmm. Now, we're giving ourselves the messages of bullshit with that phone constantly. <laughs> I just think it's a dangerous trend. I'm sorry. But <laughs> I just want to challenge you on one point, and that is that the people I compared myself to when I was in school, they wouldn't be caught dead next to me. So they definitely weren't next to me. <laughs> they weren't in your back pocket okay. either, were they? <laughs> they weren't in my back pocket. And whether I thought it was all a big facade, a big image, a big myth or not, I certainly wasn't smart enough to think that because all I knew is that they were there and I was here and... You know, well, let's not. I guess we should go to that. We should probably, because I know everybody on this that listens to our podcast, they don't care about our humor, our philosophy. They want to know the practical business applications of what we. Yes, <laughs> let's go to that. So let me read one more paragraph from this thing. The future of retail isn't e commerce or omni channel or pop up shows or geofenced flash sales. The future of retail is palm sized. As social media consumerism cultivates a growing crop of scrappy brands, these retail entrepreneurs are skipping the computer altogether. <laughs> this is the key point let alone brick-and-mortar shops, instead displaying and selling products exclusively via smartphone and really primarily via social. And that means especially Instagram because of Instagram, obviously, uh, video and right. photos. And as of May, Instagram uh, quietly enabled a feature for users to add credit or debit cards. So now you can literally have your entire shopping experience within the confines of Instagram. And uh, who needs to go to a store when that's the case? Mm -hmm. the, what this woman says, 90% of her company's revenues flow through Instagram, where she connects with 119,000 followers. That's just astounding, isn't it? Yeah. See, listen, this is... If you can really think through this, then you can see the revolutionary things that are going to be happening or, or what are happening. So I want you to imagine this just for a minute. So there's a large bustling department store, say like a Sears of old, and there's products that appeal to anyone mm -hmm. and everyone. There's clothing for moms, clothing for dads, clothing for kids, appliances, tools, sporting goods, you know, eyeglasses. It doesn't matter. And then you've got these corporate buyers, and they're tasked with trying to select what they imagine the people who walk through this store are going to desire. And so they selected these products, right. usually middle-of-the-road type products. And how did they promote them? Oh, photos and videos. That's how they promoted them. In catalogs, mm -hmm. in circulars, on TV ads. Now, right. 
Imagine some fashion-conscious girl standing in the middle of the girls' clothing section in this department store, and she's frustrated by the selection. And because the Internet has opened up her world to possibility, she decides, hey, why can't I source out clothes? Hey, why can't I even design and source out some stuff that's more appealing Mm -hmm. to me and people like me? And I'll offer it up for sale on the Internet. And she doesn't have to spend money on advertising or models or photographers because she's the model. She's the advertising. She's the photographer. Mm-hmm. She doesn't have to pay rent. She doesn't have to get people to wander through her store or follow her website or anything. This is unbelievable right. if you think about it. There's a line in here. It says a, a would-be Phil Knight or Kate Spade no longer has to hustle for capital and retail partners. All they need is buzz and yeah, followers. think about it. And, 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 and look, and just like that, what happens to that store's business? A small slice of it is gone. And if enough of those right. small slices in your Sears of today, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, listen, the most insightful statement that I saw in that article is when this Thornton at Shopify says of these, what he calls mm-hmm. iPhone-focused entrepreneurs... He says they're very experiential sellers. They care mm-hmm. a lot about building a brand. I went, wow. Mm-hmm. Right? Because they get that building a brand is focusing on three critical value components. Aesthetics. Is the look and feel mm-hmm. of everything I'm doing appealing to the people who are interested in the things that I'm doing? Control. Am I giving them simplicity, mm-hmm. ease of use? You know, are they the ones in control, or am I trying to push stuff on them? And then identity. Are they buying it because they're like this? And that's something marked at a mm-hmm. department store. Even Amazon cannot do. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's very true. There's one other quote from uh, Lindsay Thornton, the vice president of user experience at Shopify that we referred to right there. She said, they're not necessarily the the people who are doing business this way by phone. She said, they're not necessarily on the go. They simply want the flexibility to do whatever they need to do. It's the time pressure that is actually pushing a lot of this. How can I do things faster? Well, that is a trend that's not going to diminish, Right. Right. The desire to do things faster and easier, more conveniently, is just never well, going to Well, and the away. interesting thing is, is that not only is the consumer doing things faster and easier, but the person that's interacting, doing this, you know, this, call it, I don't know, a merchandising dance, if you will, they have the ability to move faster. Because think about it, right? They get a new product, they put mm-hmm. it on, they snap it with their phone, they send it out to their social network. Right. Try Try to get a retail outlet to do that. Try. Yeah, remember the whole remember the phenomenon of just in time right. inventory? This is just in time. <laughs> don't, I don't even know what it is. Just in time desire. This is just, I don't know. This is right. Just now exactly. inventory. Just now. Is, it, now is when you need it. Now yep. is when you'll Listen, have it. How do you stop this? How? Can't. No. You can't. No, you absolutely can't. We're going to see a lot more of this. This is kind of the 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 microization of uh, of consumer merchandising, 
and it doesn't spell good things. You know, we've had previous um, pieces in the past where we've talked about malls emptying out and things in peculiar tent poles going into malls, like, say, gyms. Right. Gyms are the new tent pole in a mall. Uh, It's really interesting. You are listening to Media Unplugged with Tom Asecker and Mark Ramsey. Facebook is losing its cool among teens. Now, I know what you're thinking, Tom. Hasn't this been true for years? (laughs) Right? I mean, this is something everyone says. Teens aren't using Facebook and blah, 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 blah. But I'll tell you, the stats that are just out are really quite stunning, I thought. It's a big, big drop. Um, So here are the stats on the platforms that are used by more than half of teens aged 13 to 17. These are from uh, Pew. Uh, YouTube, 85%. So that's the most popular online platform. By the way, I'm surprised it's only 85 No, I'm not. But, I mean, <laughs> think about it. What, what's the rounding errors on some of these? Right? So maybe it's I don't 92. Know. That's a good question. <laughs> that's true. Instagram, 72, which is, uh, you know, if anything, higher than you might expect. Snapchat, 69, which is about what I'd expect, I suppose. Uh, Facebook, 51. Facebook... <laughs> Tom, in another three years, Facebook won't make the cut for the I list. <laughs> I mean, that, and below that, Twitter's down at 32, Tumblr's down at 9, Reddit's at 7. I mean, all of these things drift off into irrelevance once you get below 50 pretty fast. But Facebook is seriously on the verge. Now, Facebook, as we all know, is also Instagram, yeah, right? They lucked out on that. I mean, that, that uh, very good decision, They did luck out. <laughs> good decision. So... This marks a shift from Pew's last teen-focused social media survey in 2015. Why they're doing this every three years (laughs) is beyond me instead of every year. But only two platforms were used by over 50%. Facebook was number one at 71. 20 percentage points uh, ahead of the next most popular platform, Instagram, at 52. I can't imagine YouTube wasn't above 50, so I don't understand that. But Facebook went from 71 down to 51. It dropped 20 points in three years among teens. That's astounding. Uh, Mark, this is the very same dynamic that we just talked about. See, people think that when we talk about this this woman appealing to people and taking a slice of the retail business, Mm -hmm. people go, oh, good. Oh, oh, that's retail. I don't have to worry about it because I'm in media or I don't have to worry. This is happening everywhere. When a company goes broad in its appeal, over time it loses its ability to focus on the specific desires of different audiences in that mix. And here's the thing, as various platforms become cheap to leverage, right, and they're widely adopted and Mm -hmm. easy to use, then other people go, well, wait a minute, people are spending all their time on their phone how can, how can I more precisely target my appeal to a particular audience and get those eyeballs and keep them engaged? This is happening mm-hmm. everywhere. No one should feel like, oh, good, oh, I got it now. You don't got it now. Just yesterday, I received an email from Medium. Mm-hmm. So the, did you see it? Did you get an email? Do you read me? You're on Medium, right? Yeah, I see Medium. I'm, I'm not. Uh, are you? You're not. No, premium but on I Medium write for them every once in a while. You do too. I've seen some of your uh-huh, stuff. Sure. Yeah. They announced the launch of their first ever podcast. Right. Great. There you go. Who hasn't been? Who hasn't been <laughs> asking for that? So it's called Medium <laughs> Playback. So what they do on each episode, you can hear one of your favorite writers read whatever the compelling story was that like skyrocketed on Medium. 
Then they'll chat mm -hmm. with one of Medium's hosts to give you the story behind the story. So I listened to the beginning of the first one, and the quality was excellent, like NPR quality. But I tuned it out mm -hmm. because the subject matter and the personality, that it wasn't something that interested me. But guess who it did interest? A lot of the people who read that Medium article. So they are now mm -hmm. slicing off a piece of whatever podcast those people were reading before, because you and I know there's limited attention. There's limited. So they're you, you, slicing off a piece of whatever podcast they were listening exactly, to. Exactly, right? Okay, so basically your, your, your point is they're saying we've maxed out and what we can get from this, you know, screen reading model. Let's dip into the audio hearing model and get a piece Why of that not? pie. Well, absolutely, and you would agree exactly. with that, right? This is what I'm saying. This is what's going to happen is that people are looking at platforms. So if the, so, let's say the platform is, let's call the platform retail. And people go, well, I can't get into retail. I can't afford slotting fees. I can't negotiate with right. Sears. How am I going to get? Oh, I got a platform that just allows me to do this by snapping a picture of me wearing a T-shirt, and now I'm in retail. All of a sudden, everybody's going to enter and figure out how to capture right. different little audiences. Medium just did that with podcasting. Listen, if you can if you can bring in $10,000 a month for your side hustle. Why not? It's not such a side <laughs> hustle anymore, is it? No. And and your 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 point about this being inevitable is so important and also about this cleaving of audio, of micro audiences. It just occurs to me that it, one of the trends that's obvious here, and, and Facebook is obviously trying to adjust and focus more of its content on your friends and neighbors and not as much on the brands that are buying this retail, right. this this space to, to reach you. And all of that's going to be in vain, I think, ultimately. You Absolutely. and I both think that. I'm sure that they, they can't chase this trend because they can't be, as usual, they can't be all things that's to it. all people. And not only that, neither can Snapchat, neither can Instagram, and there will be three years from now Absolutely. something new on that list. That's, see, this is the thing that people that, don't realize. They think that you can get this stronghold on people through their habitual mm -hmm. buying. That's great until mm -hmm. people figure out how to use another platform. And remember, if there's no barrier to entry or barrier to usage, I drag you away. This is why I, you know, just today I had a conversation with someone. I talked about the way a lot of radio broadcasters see this space. And they, they look at all this new technology and they say, we've got to have our product on those platforms in order to reach people who like to embrace those platforms. And they say, job done. Let's, you know, yeah, that's right. it. We're done. We did it. And, and, and then I say to them, but, yeah, you know, why is it that commercial radio broadcasters are generally not the ones creating the podcast that people are interested in. Why is it that the people so good in this category appear to be not so good in that category? Why is that? Why am I? <laughs> Look, they've you know, got it, the Mark, guy who they've got it backwards. The, the, yeah, it's backwards. backwards. It's so not. You, I've got this stuff. Let me go put it on a bunch of platforms. It's I've exactly. got a bunch of people. Let me go find a bunch of platforms to get it right. Me, that's. That's exactly right. I mean, in, 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 in my case, I look at the, you know, the, the podcast that uh, just debuted again yesterday. We've got Inside Jaws coming out in a couple of weeks. I mean, that is created from that, the, the, that, that content 
right. uh, out, right? From that audience out. This has nothing to do with, if I had a radio show, why does that necessarily <laughs> mean I am better qualified than anybody else That's to create right. this content? It doesn't. Not only that, but if I've got a radio show that people listen to passively for three hours a day, you know, I'm playing music, et cetera. I've got some chit-chat. What makes me an expert about what people want to consume when they hear it, when they can hear it on demand? On demand is a whole different category than by accident or because I'm in the car and because that's I've been it, listening to this it. station Mark, for Mark, can you years. imagine like if radio were, if, let's say they were able somehow through technology to know when people were tuning out and, and they were able to instantly communicate, right? So, so you, you, mm. you're listening to the radio and you say, ah, I don't like this song. I'm going to go, you know, and all of a sudden it's somebody, the DJ comes through your speaker and says, where are you going, Bob? <laughs> and, Bob and Bob says, ah, listen, you're playing this crap. I like this. What the hell is the DJ going to say? Let me play you your song, Bob? Because all of a sudden, he finds out somebody else just tuned out because Bob left. <laughs> well, that's why this little platform called Spotify is on you the rise. You got it. This is for that this reason is it. alone. You can't In fact, fight this. When you look at the uh, streaming trends year to year, audio streaming. Um, one trend is pretty clear, and that is that, and this is in spite of the growth of smart speakers, which is viewed as a big boon to people in the in the radio space. When you look at these numbers for streaming from year to year, one statistic you see pretty clearly is that in general, in general, commercial radio streaming is flat to down, mm. um, while other streams are up. What's up? Spotify way up. Apple Music, I'm going to guess, is up, even though it's not measured by the people who measure these things. And the other one that's up uh, significantly is National right. Public Radio, right. public radio. So in other words, exclusive content that is unmatched, that is peerless, that I can only get from you know one source, um, and that solves a problem for me across these platforms. One of my points about smart speakers is it's really not an audio platform per se. It's a service exactly. platform. You know, I use it for, for, to, for services to be accomplished. What services do I mean? I have a particular song I want to hear right now. Play it for me, right. Spotify. You know, I can't get that from the radio. That's a service. I want a news update. Play it yeah. for me, NPR. I can't get that just any time from any station. Also up are uh, sports stations and news stations. Stations, again, with exclusive content. I can only And get which source. appeal to a this particular is, audience looking for something particular. And right. need it now from exactly. where I am and where I want it. I mean, again, it's all part of the personalization world. And if people don't understand that you take your, you know, kind of passive experience and plow it into a, a, a platform that's made for personalization, customization, and anytime access and on demand, why in the world would you expect well, it to look, be No, look, it embraced? doesn't even make any sense. It's like walking into a restaurant saying, how would you like me to prepare this? And, and somebody says something, you say, no, nope, that's not what we give you. <laughs> exactly right. Okay, it's time for rants and raves. Okay, time. I, I you know me, I hate to rant, <laughs> but I'm gonna rant because this this and I listen, love it. This stuff just honestly drives me crazy. If anybody can help me understand how people can't see this and they get back to us, I will send them the first media unplugged T-shirt that we ever produce. Wow. 
Yeah, I was going to say, where are those? But I will send them the first one that we ever make. So I read recently about something called the Truth Initiative. Have you seen this thing? Mm -hmm. Okay, here we go. No, no, no. So this is... Hmm. This is something, it's a campaign created in partnership with like the White House Office of National Drug Control Policy and the Ad Council. These are the same people who worked on the anti-smoking campaign. So what they're going to do is they're going to bring you these gruesome messages in order to fight against this prescription drug abuse problem we have. So they've got this new campaign. It features four stories of true stories of young people. So I want you to understand. So listen to me. So these are young people. They fell into an opioid abuse, all right, got caught up in the cycle of addiction. And the only way for them Mm -hmm. to get more of the drugs is to end up in the hospital. Now, first of all, I don't Mm -hmm. really understand that premise. I just don't. I don't Mm -hmm. think everybody that's getting these drugs has to go back in the hospital to get them. I just, that. It doesn't make sense Mm -hmm. to me. But this is what they're saying. They're saying, so these people, because they can't wait for an injury to get more drugs, injure themselves instead. So one of the things I watched was this girl basically took off her seatbelt and drove into a dumpster with her car in order to go back Mm -hmm. into the hospital to get more of this stuff. So I'm looking at this and I'm going, what in the hell? And then the tagline at the end is, opioid dependence can happen in only five days. Know the truth, spread the truth. Okay, now my head's about ready to explode because I know, first of all, my tax money's mm-hmm. involved in this. And, and I'm sitting here and I'm saying, okay, <laughs> so when is this information that they're sending out on over the TV or the internet, whatever, mm-hmm. when is this supposed to be useful to someone? Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm thinking mm-hmm. about this. Okay, so when they're prescribed painkillers after surgery, because I've been through this last year, my knee, mm-hmm. and they're, right, and they're yes. suffering. I mean, excruciating pain. What are they supposed to do now that the information from this ad goes, oh, yeah, that's right. Are they supposed to not take them for five days? What are they supposed to do, take them for three days? Mm -hmm. uh, Listen, this makes no sense to me. Why would a trusted care professional give them painkillers if they weren't supposed to take the painkillers? So so this is the thing that I'm reaching out to everyone that's listening to help me understand. Why are so many people still under the impression that information, selling Mm. people on the reasons why they should make a particular decision, is somehow going to be effective in influencing a change in their behavior, even though research over and over is telling us that Mm -hmm. rational arguments are not effective since people's behavior Mm -hmm. is overwhelmed by their own reasons, their beliefs, their right. desires. Let me right. give you a couple of beliefs and desires. One, my doctor knows what he or she is doing. How about a second one? Mm-hmm. My fucking knee is killing me. Uh, what in the <laughs> hell are these ads <laughs> supposed to be doing? It just... They obviously make someone feel better, but that someone is neither the... Who is that someone is the client, whoever the client is, right? That, listen... Not the customer. No, I don't even understand... 
with the purpose. Listen, there are people who think that you can change people's behavior by giving them like negative stories and narratives, like a girl, mm -hmm. like this girl crashing her car in a, in a dumpster. Really? I've seen ads with smokers with tracheostomies talking to you on TV. <laughs> I swear to God, I've seen ads with soda drinkers. Instead of the soda, they're guzzling down globs of fat. This is so misguided. Mm -hmm. It assumes that gaining mm -hmm. understanding of an unwanted experience, in an, even in an emotional way, is what creates belief and motivation. Well, this we see even in the news, right? When people say, here are facts. Now, don't you think yeah, exactly. differently? Or don't you think you and should do something say, no, differently? I don't. I don't think differently. Those facts right. are your facts. Those facts don't agree with my that, predisposition. Exactly. No, you know, this is what I've I've mentioned. I think on the show before when when you know my wife and I watch Judge Judy, which is a great thing to do over <laughs> dinner. Watch Judge Judy, and um, and invariably, whoever loses never walks away saying, oh, "Maybe geez, I should have lost." <laughs> Judge Judy, Judge Judy was right. I hadn't thought about it that way before. <laughs> Nobody ever no, does that's that. That's just not right? how the brain they works. They believe Mark. what, and Judge Judy is up there trying, you know, conveying. This is why she's such an angry woman, <laughs> because she's trying to convey the point. She's trying to communicate to them why they're wrong, why they're absurd, and they look at her blankly to say, "Why, well, I, you know." No, I disagree with you. And she'll say, where did you get your law degree <laughs> exactly, from? They'll say, I don't exactly. have one. But it doesn't, it doesn't matter. One person actually said the school of Look, hard you knocks. you know what? Judge you know? Judy is a beautiful <laughs> metaphor for all of the men and women in marketing that can't get anybody to listen to them either. That's why... That's absolutely right. Here's the difference. We watch Judge Judy not to learn what's right, but to be entertained by the conflict. <laughs> exactly. And that is pretty much that's that brings us to CNN and MSNBC and uh, Fox and so on and a whole other uh, yeah, so look you know what the bottom right. line is you cannot try to give people information about what's bad what they shouldn't do what will happen no one desires what they don't want and it doesn't matter and it, that includes information like you said the people leave and they go ah it was still right because they didn't want it they didn't want that judgment, no, right? They don't want it. Don't, don't right. cloud no, my mind with facts. Uh, Any young man, he once yeah. said, when I read about the evils of drinking, I gave up reading. <laughs> so what people want is to get better, better bodies, better work, better home, better relationships. They want to imagine transforming their lives, the lives of others. They want to feel good about their evolving narratives. And... And don't forget, more likes, more shares, and <laughs> no, more it's comments. True. It means these ads right? should probably be directed like at the drug manufacturers or the physicians, but they have their own desires, don't they? Which will, which yes, overrules. They do. Uh, speaking, speaking of rants on things, giving people things they don't want, mine is on oh, IHOP. Oh, no. And yes, oh, you of course no. know what I'm going to talk it, about. <laughs> the IHOP rebrand. Is it more than a PR stunt? <laughs> Can IHOP make IHOB? That, just in case you're having trouble hearing, that's the transformation of a P into a B, um, which evidently, after much, much suspense, 
<laughs> meant burgers because, you know, I mean, that's what people want from IHOP is burgers. <laughs> Here's what the IHOP chief marketing officer said. I love this. This is my favorite. Wait, no, this is not my favorite. Yes, this is my favorite. People know us for pancakes, the chief marketing officer of IHOP commented at a burger at a burger tasting press preview last week. They actually brought press in to give them burgers. <laughs> the goal is to get people to think of I love this. I love marketing speak. It's just so great. The goal is to get people to think about us for lunch and dinner. We have a lot of white space white after space. breakfast. He actually said <laughs> That's that. That's a good way of saying what there's he calls, no people here. <laughs> What he calls white space, I call empty <laughs> space, but <laughs> it must look white to him, depending on the way the restaurant is decorated. So, but why should people care? And well, changing the name, which by the way, just don't freak out. It was just temporary. I don't think any, you know, actual logos on, on buildings changed. And adding burgers to the menu, bring in more people and drive more sales. That's the question, because evidently traffic at IHOP has been on the decline for the last 10 <laughs> quarters, which is a nice way of saying like three years. Um, IHOP's same store sales only recently saw positive growth for the first time in seven quarters, which is a nice way of saying more than two years. So here's the thing, though. It turns out IHOP already offered burgers. A little known fact, Tom. But they're offering more burgers and elevating that part of the menu as it promotes a line of steakhouse <laughs> burgers, which is which is very close to very close to what I would describe as artisanal <laughs> steakhouse burgers. So while some may see the PR stunt as gimmicky and others may balk at the similarity of the updated logo to the OB tampon brand. <laughs> Um, let's face it. You know what this is about, Tom. This is about chatter. This is oh, not about on. anything other than generating <laughs> it's not about chatter. The best come on burger now. you can get. <laughs> no, no, no. It's not. And in fact, some of their competitors have had since since when you're in the business of generating chatter, your goal is to generate chatter at the expense of everything but chatter. So everyone climbs aboard this, which is why. Uh, Burger King changed their name ever so temporarily on, on social media to Pancake <laughs> King. <laughs> Netflix said, uh, had a tweet saying, be right back, changing my name to Netflib. And A&W Restaurants cha changed their name to something which is indecipherable. Apparently it's A&W upside down and backwards. Um, let's see. Chili's said, we don't usually throw shade, but seriously... That's that's what all this was about. Here's a real burger for you, and then a link to some Chili's uh, burger. What a burger! As much as we love our pancakes, we'd never change our name to What a Pancake. <laughs> what a Wendy's. No, I love that. What a <laughs> Wendy's. Remember when you were seven and thought changing your name to Thunder Bear Sword would be super cool, like that? But our cheeseburgers are still better. And then my favorite. Oh, this, is my, no. this is my favorite competitor tweet. Okay, you will love this. This is right up your alley. This is from Waffle House, of all things. Long-term consistency trumps short-term intensity. Bruce Lee. Oh, my God. <laughs> so there it is, the name change from IHOP to IHOP, a rebrand that's much less than the sum of its parts, but then the sum of its parts was all intended to be just PR anyway. My, that's me unplugged for this, this week. Stuff, man? And it's all there <laughs> waiting for me, Tom. Please remember to subscribe to us at Apple Podcasts or on Stitcher. And while you're there, please rate the show. It helps other folks discover us. You can also catch us at Art19, Radio Inc., Media Village, and Google Play Music. And there is a possibility you could also catch both Tom and me at Podcast <laughs> Movement in July. But 
Uh, for that, you're going to have to send a message to Tom. Tweet him at Tom Asacker, and maybe he'll say I'm going to come. You can find me at Mark Ramsey Media or wherever alcohol is sold. <laughs> send us your questions and comments uh, with hashtag Media Unplugged. If there's a media topic you want us to cover, please let us know. Catch up on older episodes at our website, MediaUnplugged.net. Special thanks to the producer of Media Unplugged, who's very busy right now, Jeff Dash, Jeff Schmidt. Jeff Dash Schmidt. <laughs> he should change. <laughs> he should change his name yeah, exactly. to Jeff Dash Schmidt. Wouldn't that be yeah, great? Who are you? You know me. I mean, I'm just going to go by Dash. <laughs> <laughs> you can find him. <laughs> Jeff Dash <laughs> JeffDashSmith.com <laughs> for Tom Ace. <laughs> for Tom Acecker, I'm Mark Ramsey. Thank you for listening. So sorry we have to end this way. But better now than later. <laughs> I don't know how to hit stop. I just...